welcome back to the Not Your Mama podcast. This is the host, Kelly Bryant. I'm the creator and founder of Kelly Bryant Wellness. And if you are here at Not Your Mama podcast, then you are here to hear a podcast that is all about the wholeness of yourself as a parent. So yes, it's the parenting, pregnancy, and family podcast that is about centering you and all of the other aspects of your humanity that aren't just raising a kid. So today we are talking about the spectrum of postpartum recovery. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about what that means. But first, I have to share with you guys a parenting story. It's not really a parenting story. It's a parent brain story. So I couldn't find my credit card. Last time I went to go get gas, my credit card was not in my wallet. And I was like, oh, I don't know where it is. And I've kind of like had an eye out for it. Like, I'm sure it's around here somewhere. I have my wallet. I don't think it got stolen. Like, I checked my statement. There's not been any like false charges on it or anything, fraudulent charges. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to like give it a week and see if it turns up. And finally, I told my husband, I was like, I think the last thing I bought, I was sitting on the couch. I had to get credit card out to buy something online. It's gone. I don't know if the toddler stole it. It's not in the couch cushions. I've looked everywhere I can think of. So if you see it, like, just keep an eye out for it. Literally not even three hours later, I went to get something out of my wallet. My credit card is sitting there, like, right not hiding, not like not in a different spot, exactly where it always is, right in the front. I'm like, crap. Now I have to tell my husband that I found it. And also the parent brain has struck again. And I blame all of these things. We all have these things happen. I blame all of these things on my two-year-old. I'm like, my brain would not be like this if I didn't have a kid. The truth is, my brain would still be like this, but the kid is a great scapegoat. So I know that you guys will understand because today's episode is all about postpartum. So if you are pregnant, please stay tuned because I, I need you. I ne- I'm like hand to my heart right now. I need you to know this stuff before you have your kid so that you understand like what to do <laughs> as far as recovery once you've had your kid. And I want to acknowledge, of course, recovery is going to be different depending on what kind of a birth you had. But suffice it to say, no matter what kind of birth you had, your recovery is still going to be progressive. So I will often say the best time to start postpartum recovery is as soon as possible, immediately, like right away. And when I say that, I don't mean you should go back to exercise immediately that you should just like go back, start lifting weights or whatever. Like for the love of God, please do not get back on your Peloton at two weeks postpartum. You should not be running for probably months postpartum, like six months. That just, it depends again, of course, on your birth and how you're healing. But When I say that you should recover immediately, that's not what I'm talking about. So I want to break down the steps or the stages of recovery and what kinds of activities you might want to do in each of those stages. So the first one is just reconnecting and relearning muscular engagement. It's like the nervous system level work of just, hey, can my brain talk to my pelvic floor? 
can I voluntarily engage the muscles of my pelvic floor? And of course, if you want to do like the master's level, it's can my brain voluntarily engage the muscles of my vagina versus my anal sphincter versus my urethral sphincter? Can I actually like how much awareness or control do I have over that? And that's going to be if you had significant tearing or an episiotomy, that's going to be very different. You actually have like nerve damage. The nerves have been traumatized by that incision or by that tearing. And so you're just inspiring the nerves to start to regrow and communicate. But even if you didn't have any trauma to the pelvic floor, you're still in a very different state. That pelvic floor is in a very different state postpartum, even if you had a C-section than it was while you were pregnant. The amount of weight on it has dramatically changed. The, um, the position of the pelvis is very different. You know, the, the baby move, you know, the weight of the baby and the shifting of the baby downward and the hormones and all of those things during the end of pregnancy really does alter the musculature of the pelvic floor. So this process of reconnecting to the pelvic floor is really about like, can I feel like if I'm just breathing, can I feel what my pelvic floor is doing? Can I tell if it's engaged or relaxed? And then the other part of it, which is the core, obviously your core has been wrapped around this basketball for many months and it now, (laughs) the basketball is gone and you have to figure out how to re-engage the core muscles again. And similar to the pelvic floor, kind of the more advanced, the master's level version of this work is, can I differentiate between using my six pack muscles, which is what I would use to like curl forward and sit up out of bed versus using my transverse abs, which are the muscles that help like brace if you're forward folding or picking something up off the ground. And this process of like deep breathing and how to engage the pelvic floor and the abs, this is stuff that you can do literally laying in bed a day postpartum, a couple days postpartum. So you can start doing these things really right away. And they're going to gradually become a gentle movement and stretching practice. So when you're doing basically laying in bed most of the time, which is what I hope the majority of you are doing for the first days and weeks postpartum is you're mostly laying down. Maybe you make it to the couch and you're sitting up, but you're, you know, focusing on connecting with the baby, possibly breastfeeding or chest feeding, and your focus is not movement. And that means that your muscles are probably going to get very stiff. If it is safe, medically advised and safe for you to get up and walk around, for example, if you haven't had a C-section, you're going to be pretty much cleared to like go for a walk right away. If you've had a C-section, depending, you know, your provider is going to tell you when they feel comfortable with you getting up and like really walking around and like going for a walk, you know, outside, for example, um, you're not going for a run. You're not put like, you're not pushing yourself here. You're maybe pushing a stroller, but that's about it. Um, and that is all like really gentle, really slow, really present. And you're probably going to feel like you need a little bit of stretching or mobility work. Highly recommend starting to, again, 
as long as you haven't had a C-section or your doctor has cleared you, like twisting, you know, your spine has been kind of stuck in a more or less forward position. You haven't really been able to rotate very well because of that gigantic basketball. So rotating the spine, getting arched through the upper back because the shoulders are likely rounding forward with all that time you're spending holding a baby, those kinds of things. Some people really feel called to stretch like their hips. That's totally personal preference, but most commonly I find it's like the upper back, the spine is really craving some movement. And you want to do that just so that you don't get yourself into more pain. You know, it's not like imperative for your health in those early days and weeks postpartum that you really have to be mobile. But the longer you stay immobilized, the harder that mobility is going to be to recover. So you do as it feels good, as you feel kind of called to and you're cleared to, you want to start moving, going for walks, twisting, arching the back, moving the shoulders a lot. Maybe you want to get out a foam roller or some tennis balls and rolling things out. You can start that stuff again pretty early. Obviously you're getting out of bed, you're moving around. Maybe it's like a week in, two weeks in. Maybe it's longer if you've had a more complicated birth. Always waiting for, you know, making sure. I've had a couple folks on the podcast who had, you know, like postpartum preeclampsia and postpartum um, help syndrome. Like (laughs) obviously if you have those things, you should not be like really getting up and going for walks by yourself with the baby. Like, no, you need to be like, have some monitoring from uh, your partner or family members, if not medical staff. But the next step, and this is where things start to, you know, people, people are like good at taking it easy usually people are good at taking it easy for the first couple of weeks. And then they're like, I don't know, I feel okay. Like they've recovered from the blood loss. They, you know, they're not like actively having to do a sits bath all the time. And they're like, I feel ready. I feel ready to do something more. And they make the mistake of going back to exactly what they were doing before. Getting on the spin bike, lifting weights, going for, you know, a jog or something. And no matter how good your core and your pelvic floor feels, it is never ready to go from zero to 60 in with no intermediary demand. So in the episode that I talked to Vicki Seckley about running, we talked about your muscles get stronger by being loaded. You have to load the muscles in order for them to get strong. And if you go through a period of time, even if it's only a few days or weeks, that you're completely deloaded, your muscles are not prepared to immediately take on that demand again. And that's not even to speak to the fact that if you've had a vaginal birth, those muscles have been probably pretty traumatized, like really dramatically stretched, There may be some damage to the actual tissue. If you've had a C-section, obviously there's been a surgery and an incision. So those muscles just are not ready. It's not that they're, they, they don't have the capacity to do it. It's that they're not going to do it well and safely and effectively in a way that allows you to continue gaining strength if you immediately and very drastically exceed their current capability. So what you wanna do in that intermediary phase, the one that everybody skips, is you want to mindfully begin strength training and loading the muscles 
always staying within the muscle's current capacity, always staying within the realm of what the muscles are already capable of doing. What I mean by that is like, if you're doing, say, squats, you don't want to be like putting so much weight on your squat or so many reps or so much depth that you're like shaking, pushing, like almost losing form. That's not appropriate at this stage. You want to be doing movements in a range of motion with an amount of demand with a number of reps that feels like, yes, I can do this. It is a firm yes that your body feels capable of doing the movement and doing the movement slowly enough that you would feel if something was off. I call that owning the movement. Owning the movement is say in a balance, if you're standing on one foot doing, for example, a single leg deadlift. And if you don't know what that is, do a quick Google, get an image of what a single leg deadlift is. If you're doing a single leg deadlift and you're doing it like at a, at a one count rep, like you're going like down, up, down, up, down, up, you're going so fast. It's almost like when you ride a bike quickly versus if you slow the bike down, I want you to ride the bike so slowly that if your muscles aren't strong enough to hold that balance, you're going to know it. You're going to feel yourself falling out versus if you go really quickly, you can make all kinds of compensating movements and use, you know, maybe have the low back muscles jump in and like kind of wrench things around and use the quads really dominantly because the hamstrings aren't jumping in. So you want to slow it down and own the movement so that at any moment I could ask you, where do you feel that work? What's working when you do that? And you can feel it. You know what's working. And that's also going back to step one. That's also helping to reconnect and relearn muscular engagement. You're training your muscles. You're telling them, hey, when I forward fold and pick something up off the ground, I want you glutes and I want you hamstrings to be the ones that are doing the work of lifting me back up. If you've been pregnant for nine, 10 months, then possibly, probably when you go to bend over and pick something up off the ground, your low back is what's already trained, already primed to be the first thing that does all the work. So you have to retrain and show the muscles, hey, I'm going to do this really slowly so that my brain can be like glutes hamstrings. Huzzah. Like we're going, this is who, this is who I want to be doing this movement is these muscle groups. Then the last step of the spectrum is returning to the impact and returning to the full intensity training that you love. And that still doesn't mean that you're going to go back. Like you'll have done this mindful strength training stage and you're going to go back to spinning at the exact intensity that you were before having a kid, or that you're going to go back to running at the exact pace that you were before having a kid. It just means that now you're ready to start training that specific subskill or that specific um, muscle group or those specific movement patterns. Doesn't mean that the movement patterns are going to be right back where you left them. It just means that now they're actually the rest of your body is equipped to do what it needs to do in order for you to safely return to those higher demand movement patterns. And impact is always like the big thing that is the most difficult for a lot of people because the pelvic floor muscles have to really be 
trained to support you appropriately. The core and the pelvic floor muscles have to be trained to support you appropriately. But I also put like any repetitive movement pattern or any fast movement pattern. So that's why I throw spin into this category. You're moving really fast and it's really repetitive, right? You're, you're clipped into those bike pedals and you're only going, you're only doing one type of movement and you're doing it really fast, which means you're doing a bajillion reps. And that means that if you're doing something unhealthy posturally, or you're using kind of a compensating movement pattern, that means that you're going to do a ton of reps and there's a lot of potential for damage as opposed to like, if you're doing eight reps of a weightlifting exercise, it's the things that you're doing with a lot of power, like, you know, throwing, if you, if you are a weightlifter, any of your power movements, like kettlebell swings, you don't want to just start like swinging a kettle, like the heaviest kettlebell that you used before pregnancy. You want to take it really light so that you have, you're again, owning the movement, you have full control of the movement and you can tell what's working. And then you progress back up to what you were doing before. How long this whole process takes is deeply individual. When I teach this process, and this is exactly the process that I teach when I do my Reclaim Postpartum program, the process is the same. Whether you're three weeks, three months, or a year postpartum, you go through those same steps. Because I'm assuming if you've shown up for Reclaim, it's because you're having issues, which probably means that you didn't follow these steps. So the steps are the same no matter when you start you might find that if you're further along postpartum, it's easier for you to do the reconnecting and relearning the muscular engagement, or it's easier for you to do the like gentle movement and stretching. You might not feel like you need as much of that, or it could be the exact opposite. It could be that like you have a pretty severe pelvic organ prolapse. It's taken you eight, nine months to finally like sit down and address it. And you're going to be in stage one of reconnecting and relearning muscular engagement in the core and the pelvic floor for two months. I can't tell you that up front. All I can tell you is that if you keep doing the reps, it will work like that. Those muscles will come back. They will return. Generally, it's um, the literature that I've seen is that it takes about two years. If you wait for two years or more, then the nerves actually may not regrow. Like you actually may have lost the capacity to engage those muscles again. But as long as you're doing that recovery within the first year or two postpartum, it'll come back. It just, how long it takes is going to depend so much on your personal history, your birth story, your capacity and, and willingness to spend time on it, right? Like how consistent you are with no judgment around that. You're as consistent as you want to and need to be. And then you just get the results depending on how much you can put in. But that's going to differ for everybody. My Reclaim Postpartum program is three months because I think that three months is a really reasonable amount of time on average to get through that third stage, to get through that big, you know, mindfully strength training figuring out how to tell your muscles, hey, I want you to be the one who's working when I do this kind of a movement pattern. Hey, pelvic floor, I need you to step in and like hold things in and up when I go to squat or jump. I think that stage, I think taking three months to do those first three steps is like very doable for most people. There's always going to be outliers and there's always going to be people who only need a month or two to do that. And then after my reclaim program is when I kind of like 
send people off, like baby birdies leaving the nest, send people off to do the returning back to whatever it is that they love to do on their own. And that process of retraining their, you know, their run pace or any of those things, that's on them, right? That's totally variable and depends on where they're trying to go and how fast they're trying to get there. But I hope that's helpful that I've really felt like two months is enough time to to do it, but you don't, you're kind of just getting the grip of it and then the program's over. So that's why I always do it for three months. That extra month, I think, gives you the time to get the reps in to feel like, okay, I'm like ready to go on and do this on my own or to, to follow a different program if I want to. And of course, I always, you know, let people stay as a personal training client if they're like, I really like this mindful strength thing. I mean, frankly, I personally really like this mindful strength thing. It's why I do it. But some people, it's not their jam. They're all about like the cardio or the intensity. And they're usually ready at about three months post, not three months postpartum, pardon me. They're usually ready at about three months of postpartum training to begin other types, other types of training. So that's the spectrum that I think people should be going through. I am not here for the bullshit. You have to wait six weeks or six months or six years. Nobody says six years, but you have to wait X amount of time before you can do anything. I think that that's really inaccurate and unhealthy, but I'm also not here for the people who are glorifying getting back to intense workouts at two weeks, four weeks postpartum. It's just not appropriate. You have to follow a a spectrum, a progression of training. Just like if you were going to go run a marathon, you wouldn't like get off your couch having never gone for a jog and be like, yeah, I'm going to just go run a marathon. I'm sure that's going to turn out right. And I want to leave you with this thought that there is a difference between what your body is capable of and what your body can consistently safely do. Sometimes people will use as evidence that they're, you know, that they can go back to doing whatever it is they want to do. They'll be like, well, look, I did it. Like I've already done it and it's fine. It turned out okay. Or I have my friend who did it. That's not the same as like, yeah, did your friend have low back pain for three years then postpartum? Was your friend peeing herself? Like what was, <laughs> it's not the full story of, yes, your body wants nothing more than to just do what you're asking of it. it when you say jump, it says how high. And it doesn't say, well, I'm not sure that you should jump because when I land, I'm not totally sure that I can hold this urine in your bladder. It's just going to do it. And so the fact that you're capable of doing more, which I absolutely believe that you are 100% capable, um, doesn't mean that you should. Doesn't mean that it's the right choice right away. And taking time to recover never hurts. Nobody's like, I really wish I'd gotten back to heavy weightlifting in the first three months postpartum. If ever you're going to give yourself a freaking break, this is the time to do it. So I hope that that's helpful. If you have questions, I would love to chat with you in my DMs. Go join me over on at Kelly Bryant Wellness on Instagram. Or if you're interested in getting someone to guide you through this progression, come join me in Reclaim. Reclaim is going to be open for enrollment. We are starting on February 1st. Enrollment's going to open about a week before that. So make sure that you are 
subscribed to my email list or following me on Instagram, or again, just send me a DM and I'll make sure that you get the link to sign up. And I cannot wait to see you in there. Have an amazing day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Not Your Mama podcast. I would be super grateful if you would take a sec to go back to your podcast app. You know, like if it's safe, don't do this if you're driving. Go back over to your podcast app. If you're not already subscribed, hit subscribe and then leave us a rating or a review so that other people can find the show. That feedback really is so helpful for the rankings in the different podcast apps and it helps new folks find the good word. Thanks so much for doing that for me.